It's rough, first and third Sundays. It is. I can go shut the door so the kitchen no, maybe no, have that's a fine. Anybody? Well, it's been a joy to be here these couple of days, reading new acquaintances, and uh, it's a, it was just special to be a part of the meeting, amen, and excited about what God's going to do. Now, we're in the book of Jonah. We're going to start this morning in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 10, and read on into Jonah chapter 3. I want to remind you just of a couple of things. Jonah is a greatly uh, attacked book, a ridiculed book, uh, but our Lord authenticated Jonah. Uh, it, it is as much the Word of God as John 3.16 or uh, Genesis 1.1 or any scripture you want to talk about. Jonah is the uh, precious Word of God, and it's for our benefit. And Jonah, there's so much in it. It's a book of miracles. It's a book about our Lord, picturing his death and his burial and his resurrection. It's, it's, a, it's, a, pic, it, it's a book about the movement of God, uh, 600,000 people. It's, it's a book about the importance of the will of God for the believer. And then also all through the book, it's a book of mission. God is interested in reaching the lost. And uh, Jonah is very much a book of missions. We're going to read from uh, chapter uh, 2 and verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And the word of the Lord, in chapter 3, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah rose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, now notice, eight words here. Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Eight words of judgment. Verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word of the Lord came unto the king of of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God, yea, let, it, let them turn every one, but every time I read that, I, 
It amazes me. Uh, everyone, everyone from his evil way and from the presence that it, and from the violence that is in their hands. And then verse, verse 9. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Father, we are thankful for these days here at Sooner Rose. We thank you for the powerful Sunday school uh, message. Uh, Lord, a strong warning. Uh, and it's needed. It's needed. Uh, we get lax. We get uh, apt. Uh, apathetic, and we forget about the reality of hell, and we're thankful for the reminder. We're thankful for Brother Bell being so kind to host the meeting. I pray that you'd bless these folk, their faithfulness. I commend them, Lord, for being in their place, hearing the preaching. We ask again for the family, Freddie Jr. and uh, the son and daughter-in-law, Lord, that you'd comfort them and speak to this elderly gentleman about his soul's need of salvation. We're thankful for the health uh, that being, being restored, that he's getting some strength. I pray enable him to be back in church under the word of God, the preaching of the word, or that we might hear down the road a good report where this man got things settled with you. I pray if there be one here in our midst today, that we'd say enough about our Savior, that they'd see their need of Him. Lord, we're putting forth a missions challenge. I pray it be received, well received. Uh, your will be accomplished. Give us liberty, and we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I did enjoy the singing by the ladies. And a timely song. Amen. Amen. Well, we've covered, we've covered much, tried to cover much. I want you to point a couple of things out here in verse 10. Now, you don't have to agree with me on this, okay? All right? And uh, uh, you know, we'll all find out when we get up on the other side what we had right and what we had wrong, okay? But just ponder this with me in this light, okay, in verse 10. And the Lord spake unto the fish... Uh, I commented last night how that the, uh, the creation, God's creation, the animals, listen to the command of God, and yet man has the audacity to tell God no. Okay? But now the fish responded, swallowed Jonah, and responds again here to, when under the command of the Lord. The Lord spake, spoke, spoke unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah, upon dry land. Now here's what I want you to ponder with me, okay? I've heard from the time that I've heard about Jonah how that that, that, that great fish, that whale, is still out in the water and somehow spits Jonah out on dry land. Now that would be a miracle. Amen. For the fish to be able to do that. That would be a miracle. Uh, we're going to eat, so I don't want to get too gross. But when your stomach's troubled, uh, could you actually do that? Something a couple miles out. I'm, I'm not trying to be gross, okay? Here's what I want you to look at with this, okay? 
I think that this, this, this great fish, this whale, in order to vomit Jonah out on dry land, the whale had to beach itself. The whale had to beach itself in order to accomplish the task it was given. It had to beach itself. Now, that makes more sense to me. But now, you, you ponder this. Here's where I'm headed on this. And, and I did a little study on it. It's not anything exhaustive, okay? But what I read was that there's, there's, there's two reasons, two main reasons that a whale will beach itself. One, the primary reason is that a, that a whale gets so sick physically that it can't fight against the currents. And, and the currents carry it in and it ends up beached. We were in Pensacola, just above Pensacola, preaching. And, uh, boy, this is when the, the boys and Rachel were still traveling. And uh, there, was, there was two small whales beached. Okay, I don't know what kind they were. They weren't humongous. And people were putting water on them and things and trying to get them back out to sea working to get them back out to sea, okay? So I've seen two whales beached. But uh, they, what I read was that they get sick and, and they end up beached, okay? Uh, I would think after having that uh, pro prophetic indigestion for three days and three nights, he'd had enough of the prophet and the prophet had enough of him. And uh, so the whale beached itself in order to carry out the command, okay? The second reason that a whale ends up beached is that they're, they're closely knit. They, they're families. They communicate with, uh, well. And that, uh, especially if the, if the one whale is kind of a leader in that, and it ends up beached, that one or two others will follow it and end up be just following that one. There's a lesson there. You better make sure who you're following. You might end up beached. Amen. Okay. But here's my thought on this. Okay. I don't believe Jonah ever touched water. I believe that uh, the whale caught him before he ever hit the water, and I believe the whale beached itself and spit him out on dry ground, okay? Now, here's the emphasis. Uh, I don't know how much the whale knew of the will of God for Jonah, okay, but it does show the importance of God reaching the lost. God is interested in reaching the lost souls of mankind. And this whale was so moved by the command of God that the whale was willing to beat itself, give everything it had, just to get the man of God to Nineveh 
that souls might not perish. Amen. Which leads to this. How much are we willing to give of ourselves that lost men and lost women and lost children die not in their sin? Amen. Uh, it, it will cost us to serve the Lord, but it'll cost you more not to. Jonah pictures that. The well pictures the willing servant, willing to give it all. Now here's the good news. The Lord doesn't want you and I to die for him. Our Lord wants you and I to die to ourselves that we might live for him. Amen. Okay. Now, notice chapter 3. Okay. And there in verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Notice now, the second time. I want to say hallelujah. Glory to God. Our God's the best there is. Our God's the God of second opportunity. Amen. If we were be if we would be honest this morning, we'd have to thank him that he's the God of the third and the fourth and the fifth and on and on. That's who our God is. Our God's a merciful God. Amen. A gracious God. You know, a lot of times we don't do anything for God because we're caught up in the guilt of where we failed Him. We have more trouble forgiving ourselves than God does in forgiving us. Amen. Uh, I read in uh, Micah chapter 7. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? That's his specialty. That's what he does. That's who he is. Glory to God. Somebody run an aisle or something. I'm a feeling something. Amen. That's who our God is. Amen. He gives Jonah a second opportunity. And he gives us more than opportunities. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, Jonah finally understands the will of God is to go preach to to Nineveh. Now, I'll say this. Jonah's heart wasn't right in this preaching. It wasn't Jonah's burden for Nineveh. It was God's burden for Nineveh. Which proves the point that God will honor his word no matter who is or how it is that the man is preaching. Amen. Now, when I got a hold of that, that helped me a whole lot. Because I think about some of these charlatans that uh, fooled large congregations. I was always a struggling pastor. 
and, and uh, you know, I'd hear about somebody that pastored hundreds of people and they found out 15 years later he was a child molester. It's the fact that it's the Word of God. God honors the Word of God. Amen. Now, let me say something else. And I, I believe strongly that God still uses preaching. Amen. Now I'm not I'm not anti giving out tracts and we you know Barbara's more she's more aware of that. Let me put it that way, okay? And and giving out the tracts, but uh, and God uses the tract ministry. God uses the radio ministry, and God uses the one-on-one confrontations. Amen. Okay. But I read in my Bible that God chose the foolishness of preaching. That the emphasis ought to be on preaching. Amen. I've known Brother Matthews a number of years now. And I'll tell you, he's a preacher. And this young man, I don't know as if I'd ever heard him preach before. But just from this one message this morning, I'm telling you, he's going to go with the Word of God. And he's a preacher. Now that's what you want to support. Amen. That's what you want on the field. That's what you want to invest in. Amen. Uh, Jonah uh, finally obeyed the Lord and preached. You know, it was the preaching of the Word of God that I got saved that Sunday morning. It was the preaching of the Word of God that after that, every time I made a change in my life, it's because, I, you know, I read and I studied, but the preaching brought it home. And I had to make a change. Amen. God uses the book. God uses the preaching of the Word of God. That's where, you know, I get these ones that say, well, you know, I don't only have to be in every service. And I say, you don't. Hey, you might miss just what you needed. Amen. Amen. Preaching, it takes preaching. Well, I am headed somewhere. I better move. Where I'm headed is verse 5. Uh, I, you, Barbara said I ought to count out them words to you. Did I count them out well enough in verse 4? Uh, eight, eight words. Eight words of judgment. Amen. It, it wasn't an hour and a half message. It wasn't no exegeting of the Hebrew language. Uh, it was eight words of judgment. Amen. Okay. Well, look at verse 5. So the people of Nineveh, oh, I love this, believed God. Over 600,000 heathen people, cultured people, educated people, pagan people, believed God, the preaching of eight words of judgment, and they believed God. Amen. I'm trying to help you. Missions is a faith promise endeavor. Amen. Now, I don't want—I don't want to get bogged down, but uh, when you think about the challenge of the gospel. Taking out the gospel. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned five times 
Every one of the Gospels ends with the commission. In Acts chapter 1, just prior to our Lord's ascension, reasserted it. Amen. Okay. All right. So we're clear on the commission. But now, you, you talk about an incredible task. They, they are always around. The last I saw is they said there's 7.7 billion people on planet Earth. I'd like to know how they know that. Amen. Uh, uh, but here, we can look at that and say, no, we can't do that. Well, that's above what we can do. Well, that's, that looks impossible. But that's why it's a faith endeavor. It is more than what we can do. But it's never, never more than what he can do. And he would not have given the charge. He would not have given the commission if it were not something that could be accomplished. Now, he has a plan for it. I said, I'll probably never get to Vietnam. But I know somebody who's going. God has a plan for it. How many of you plan on going to Vietnam? Hey, but you can reach some people in, in Vietnam by supporting a man who's going. God knows how to do it. I may not get to Oregon, but God's got a man that's going. Going to preach with that Tennessee draw up there in Oregon. Amen. That's amazing to me. Uh, But God's got a plan. But see, for them to be able to go, they've got to go by faith. They've got to trust Him that He's going to get them there. And they've got to trust Him that God will use them once they get there. But see, our part is, we got to trust him by faith to help send them. Ah, somebody said, well, you know, we already support X number of missions right now. You know, I mean, we're doing all we can do. Yeah, but it's going to take more than what we can do. It's going to take what he can do. Hey, man. Uh, let me give you some illustrations in the gospel. And I'm going to bring it home here. Uh, you, you, you read in the gospels how that Jesus handpicked those 12 disciples. What's amazing in that is that the Lord knew one of them was a devil. Amen. But now, ah, uh, how many times do you read in the Gospels, uh, in one place, he, he said, these hand-picked disciples now, he says to them, where is your faith? He hand-picked them. And he's reproving them. Where is your faith? 
Uh, same, same account, but uh, different gospel. He says to him, how is it that... Uh, oh, no, he says... Uh, Oh, I'm, I don't want that one. I want the other. Uh, he says uh, in one place, where is your faith? And then how is it that you have so little faith? Okay, amen. So little faith. I mean, they watched this man walk on water. They watched him heal the lame, to heal the blind. He, they, I, I don't know if he'd raised any dead yet, but they eventually saw him raise the dead. And he says, well, how is it that you have so little faith? And the one that really gets me is there in Mark 4 when they're crossing the sea in the will of God and the storm comes up and they think they're toast. They think they're going to perish. And you and I, that's where we get pharisaical. And we say, well, how could they perish with Jesus on board? Jesus was on board ship. Could I remind you, duh, the Lord's on board. Amen. But they cried out, Master, this is how foolish. Master, carest thou not that we perish? Well, that's embarrassing even to repeat that. I think about Charles Swigel. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. But Jesus stood to his feet and he said, How is it that ye have no faith? His hand-picked disciples. Now, honestly, I like to, let me hit this quick. Uh, After that, he rebuked this man. (laughs) Rebuked the winds and rebuked the waves. And immediately there was a calm. And then they cried out, what manner of man is this? He's the one who specializes in the impossibilities. Amen. Okay. Uh, it, it, it is overwhelming if you think about it. I, I've not been to like Vietnam and places, but I've been to the Philippines. And to me, it's, I, I don't know how they got all them Filipinos in one place. And all of them beep, 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 beep. I mean, just, it's like a sea of people. Amen. I think about some of the bigger cities. Oklahoma City is pretty good size. But you think about New York City, over 8 million people in New York City. To me, that would be overwhelming. But not with our God. Nothing overwhelms our God. Our God's interested in reaching the lost. So what's our problem? I'll give you another one. You remember in uh, 
Luke's gospel. Uh, I'm forgetting the chapter. But it's where the four palsied, uh, where the uh, four men carried the palsied man on the bed. Okay. And those, those four men pick up that man on, on, the, on the wayside and they take him to the house. It was a noise about that Jesus was in the house. And there's such a press of people that they have to coordinate and get this man. Are you talking? Listen, they had to coordinate, get this man up on the roof, and then they broke through the roof. And they had to, I like how Brother Shepherd does that one. And they coordinate together to lower that man down uh, to, uh, to Jesus. Uh, uh, if, if they hadn't worked together. Now, the question I like to ask is, can you name me those four men? They're not named. Why? Because it wasn't important, those four men, who they were. What was important is what they were doing by faith. Amen. Uh, there were no accolades given to them. They didn't put plaques on all the walls in the building because it wasn't about them. It was about the Lord. Okay? Now, their hearts went out in compassion to this man. And they had to work together. See, this mission thing is a, we're partners. Brother Bell keeps talking about uh, you know, casting the net. There in Luke chapter 5 is where that is. And the Lord tells Peter to, to drop the nets, tells him to drop the nets, nets with an S, nets, plural. And Peter, you know, his attitude is, well, we know more than you do. We fished all night. There's no fish to catch this night. But nevertheless, at thy word, they let down one net. And there were so many fish, they had to call for their partners. You getting this? Uh, the missionaries are calling for partners, people to partner with them, to coordinate together, to lower some palsied man to Jesus. Amen. But here's the thought there in Luke with those palsied men, with that palsied man, the four men who carried him. It says there in the text, when Jesus saw their faith, the palsied man had no faith, the palsied man was along for the ride. He really, I don't think he had much of a clue of what was going to take place. But these four men believed if they could only get him to God, they could only get him to Jesus, that Jesus could make him whole. Our problem is, where is our faith? Why is it that you have no faith? Yeah. Amen. Amen. When I pastored there in Georgia, it, in, uh, I think Brother Bell will remember this, uh, my biggest battle was with those that had been there forever. Because their attitude was, well, we're just a little country church here on the highway, preacher. And with that attitude, that's all they'd ever be. I want, I, I want to ask, where's, where's your God? Who are you serving? 
Who did you trust? <laughs> Barbara, she, she likes to hear the creation. And it is amazing how this God said, let there be light. And we're sweating. Day four, he hung the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And with a little asterisk, asterisk, Afterthought, he says, he made the stars also. Big deal. He spoke and there it was. So what are we sweating? I, I read that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I read in Malachi, he says, I am the Lord God, I change not. Hey, if he could do it on day one and day two and day three and day four and day five and day six, he can do it on this day and every day after this day. Amen. See, our problem is, I want to back up here. And uh, you remember Jonah didn't pray till after Whale Seminary. Okay. Our problem is, we're, we're, so, we're so filled with doubt, the impossibility, that we don't even pray about it. That's more than we can do. You know, there's, there's, I, I, when you talk about missions, I, I mentioned that uh, message by William Carey, and the first part of it was out of Isaiah 54. We are to expect great things from God. That's the faith aspect of it. And then the second part was we are to attempt great things for God. That's the commitment part of it, the promise part of it. Amen? Okay? Now, I used to hear, even before I saved, uh, boy, if you shoot at nothing, you'll hit it. You'll hit it every time. But you got to shoot at something. Amen. And we, we need to shoot at this thing of missions and we need to do it by faith. Amen. Now, when you think about missions, we have a threefold responsibility. God, God works corporately through the church, but the church can only do as the individual members respond. The commission was not given to individuals. The commission was given to the church as God's program to work what he does. He does through the church, and he does it through the members of the church. Okay, amen. Now, our first obligation is we are to pray. You ought to be praying about missions, not just in a three-day meeting. You ought to be praying about what your part is, you ought to be praying for the missionaries. Brother Matthews can tell you stories that he was thankful for the support, but it wasn't the support that got him through some situations. It was him knowing God's people were praying. I can testify on the road. Barbara and I have been on the road almost 23 years, and we've had no major accidents. I'm boasting on the Lord. 
I, I mean, not even a fender bender. I'm talking about thousands, tens of thousands of miles on the road, probably up into the hundreds of thousands of miles on the road, and God keeps us safe. I, I have a patience problem. I get stuck in traffic because there's an accident, and then Barbara reminded me, well, at least we aren't in it, Gary, you know. And I say, you're right, Barbara. Lord, forgive me. Yeah, we're not in it. Hallelujah. We've got plenty of time, Lord. Just whatever you want. We're on your schedule. Amen. Amen. But hey, there's so many things we do out of habit or, you know, just we do because we do. But the thing of missions, you've got to do it on purpose. You're going to have to pray on purpose. Why you don't pray is because you're afraid of the answer. You're afraid of what God might tell you. You're afraid of what God might show you is your part. Amen, okay? And then the second thing is, we are to go. We're to be active. Right. Oh, I may not get to Vietnam, I may not get to Oregon, but I'm still to go. Yeah. There's people all around us yeah. going to hell. And then thirdly, if I'm not going to go to Vietnam and I'm not going to go to Oregon, then I, then I am to give so that they can go. I ought to count it all joy that I have a part in it. If our Lord and Savior can count it all joy to go to Calvary, then you and I ought to count it all joy. Glory to God, we're going to take on the missionary. Amen? Okay. Now, there's three ways the church gives the missions. And there's actually individuals, too, the same thing. One is that you try to budget money. Boy, you talk about being defeated before you get started. I mean, you could budget every extra penny you can, and it's not going to get anywhere. It won't get one man to the field. Amen. Now, y'all live on a budget. Don't misunderstand me. Y'all live on a budget. The only people that don't have to have a budget is government. That's federal and state and local. None of them, they don't have to worry about budget. Especially federal, they just print more. Amen. You're welcome. Uh, but budgeting is good. Hey, if that's all the faith you have is to budget so much for missions, then do it. But our God's bigger than that. The second way they try to give, the churches give and that people give to missions is by sacrifice. Sacrifice has its part. I've heard different ones talking about giving up your candy bars and giving up your coffee and, uh, you know, giving up your fast food for lunch. And, and that's all commendable. But you and I can't sacrifice that much. Uh, it, it's not going to reach 7.7 billion people. With our sacrifice, it has its place. There's so many examples. All right, I'll give, I'll give you one. You remember David? Uh, when he had uh, Joab to number the people and God plagued the people. And in order to stop the plague, he had to uh, go to where Ornan was. And there he, he wanted the wood and the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord, and Ornan was going to give them to him, 
And David said, God forbid that I should offer unto the Lord that which just cost me nothing. So sacrifice has its place. You, you, you remember the, uh, the little widow woman with the man of God, Elijah, after the brook dried up? Well, you're talking about living by faith. Look at Elijah. Glory to God. I get excited when I think about Elijah going up against 450 false prophets of Baal on the mountain with confidence, praying unto a God he knows it can, and then the fire of the Lord fell. Boy, that, that stirs me. And then after that highlight, God sends it to the brook. No, that's after the, after, after, I'm getting all my time mixed. Anyway, he finally sends him after the book dries up. And you notice that God's always right timely because there at the brook, uh, he never did without. The ravens brought him bread and flesh every morning and bread and flesh every evening. And as they flew off, I believe they were yelling back, God is faithful. But when the brook dried up, he sent him the widow woman. She's gathering two sticks. Got a little ha a handful of meal and a little oil in the cruise. That's all she has. There's no more. She can't manufacture anything. And the man of God says, bake me first a cake. And she sacrificed. It has its place. She sacrificed and baked the cake, took it to the man of God. And she went back to an empty barrel. Glory to God. Scrape the entry barrel and there's another handful of meal. Tip the cruise and there's enough oil for that cake and baked it and took it to her son. Glory to God, I believe she ran back to the barrel the third time. And there was always just enough. The barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail. That's who our God is. He honors sacrifice. You'll never outdo him in your sacrifice. I hear folks say, they, they, they do it twofold. They say, well, you know, I can't afford a tithe. I'm thinking, well, if you'd only test him and try, have faith to believe him, and do at least what they did under the law, you'd be amazed what you can do on 90%. Amen. Amen. Uh, what you ought to be honest and say is, I don't have enough faith to tithe. I don't believe you. So I'm not tithing. Well, you know, it's like it's quiet about money. Well, if we was at the Ford deal, you'd be ready to sign. Or the GM dealer. Hey, but uh, uh, sacrifice has its place. The little lad sacrificed his lunch. Good night. <laughs> Took back 12 baskets full. Sacrifice has its place. If that's all the faith you have is to give up a meal or give up a candy bar and put it in the missions, then do it. Amen. But God's plan is a faith plan. 2 Corinthians 8, you read in there. And as you read it, underline the word grace every time you find it. By grace, they first gave them own selves. Amen. 
He talked about putting your... Give the animals water. Even the animals had to fast. Believing God. Then what's your problem? Amen. See, these, these Ninevites, the king commanded them to fast. But here, look, look, in, look at verse 5 again. It says, so the people of Nineveh believed God. Now put that with verse 9, all in the same context. Who can tell if God will turn and repent? They believed God with expectation in their belief. You know, most people, when they say they believe God, they believe God like the devil believes God. I'll ask you, how many of you came expecting God to do something today? I talked about being prepared. I, everything was prepared, but Jonah, part of that preparation is expectation. God, I can't wait to get to church to see what you're going to do. Might be another palsied man. God, lower down through the tiles. Glory to God. You know, most of the time what it is, well, preacher, you know, this is what we are. You know, it's been us so long now. There's a lot of expectation in that. It's like singing, oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Ain't no victory in that. Ain't no expectation in that. Hey, we've got to tap into a higher source. We've got to get a hold of what God would have us to do. Now, we're cautioning you there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. Amen. Okay. If all you do is start with a little faith. There with Peter, and we mentioned Luke 5, where the pastor's been talking about dropping the net. Peter had just, just enough faith to drop one net. And they couldn't hold the fish. If we could muster just a little faith. If every one of us came to every service with just a little faith. With a little expectation. Good night, you'd have the, you'd have the pews filled up. Have to build on to a building you just got. Who can tell? Who can tell what God might do? Who can tell? Who can tell what my, God might do in missions who sooner rolls back to church? I'm going to end with this, okay? And there's so much more in there, but I'll end with this, okay? When you think about this thing about faith and, and who can tell what God might do, there's another passage in Luke chapter 17 where Jesus is telling uh, Peter and the disciples uh, about you know, te teaching them about forgiveness. And, boy, I can see Peter. You know, he's the, he's the bold one, boys. I don't know if he wore suspenders, but he probably, you know, if he did, he's, he's got him out there. Uh, Lord, how many times shall I forgive a man? Seven times? Peter thought that was big. Seven times? And the Lord said, no. Seventy times seven. I believe all the disciples took a step back. And the jaws hit the floor. And the response was, Lord, if you expect us to do that, then you're going to have to increase our faith. Because that's beyond what we can do. 
There's a lot of truth in that. We, we, ha- we don't have a lot of forgiveness in us. It's only the forgiveness that he puts in us that we can bestow. Come on, amen. Amen. Okay. But the idea there is, Lord, you're going to have to increase our faith. Here's, here's, here's what I want to challenge you on this morning. Now, this thing of missions is systematic. Okay? It's something you need to do faithfully. And you need to do it by faith. And you say, well, I, I, you know, I don't really have much faith. And would you at least get on the altar and ask God, Lord, if, you, if this is what you want me to do, God, you're going to have to increase my faith. Will you increase my faith, Lord? I, I don't want you to look at me and say, where is your faith? Well, I don't want you to look at me and say, why is it that you have no faith? God, I'm begging you that you'll give me more faith, that I can trust you, that you'll do through me that which I cannot do on my own, that I might be able to be a blessing in missions through Sooner Rose Baptist Church. That's what Faith Promise Mission is all about. You and I, the big zero with the rim rubbed out, trusting a holy and righteous and mighty God that can do the impossible. The key in that thing is faith. A heathen, a heathen city. Believe God with expectation. Well, that challenges me. Who can tell? That's faith. Amen. I went on the road, and everybody said, you'll starve. You don't know anybody. I said, I know him. He's the one to put it in my heart. Let me ask you, do I look like I'm starved? I'm doing pretty healthy. Amen. Somebody said, when are you going to retire? And I told them, when they wear out, when those four wear out, I'll go and retire. I look for the best price I can get on them. And I put four new ones on. My sister said, you're never going to retire, are you? I said, as long as I can get up and down and go, I'm going. As long as Bob can go with me. And I told the Lord, I said, now, you know, we, I, I don't want to do this without her. I, you know, I know a lot of men who travel by themselves, but I'm not one of them. Good night. We've been together too long, over 54 years. I, hey, I, I don't want to go and go to be away from her. So Barbara don't like to travel. You ask her. She hates traveling. But thank God she's been almost 23 years doing it with me. I want to say, hallelujah, aren't you big God? You're so big. Glory to God, hallelujah. I still feel like taking the lap. I'm telling you, we, y'all know who you believe. Uh, I, what Paul says, I know whom I believed, and I am persuaded. You know who you believed. Are you persuaded that he can do, or are you limiting him? No telling, no telling, who can tell? No telling what God might do. Amen. All right. Preacher, you come. Let's stand. Father, I've done my best to try to mind you. Boy, Jonah, there's so much in there. I pray, God, we'd accept the challenge. We're to be a people of faith. We're to live by faith. We got in by faith. Uh, Lord, this whole thing is a matter of faith. Would you increase our faith? Lord, we want to be a blessing. And the only way we can be that is by faith. I pray you'd help the man of God. Help him as he closes the service. Give me much wisdom on the invitation. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Preacher. All right. Amen. Appreciate that. The uh, word of God. And I know different men. I've, I've spoke of how that Lieutenant Blue, who preached a lot of missions conferences that I've been in, Brother Plato Shepherd, and now Brother Shock, and then, Men that I 
look up to and their stance, especially you know, when it comes to missions. Presentation sometimes is a little different. I appreciate this morning how that, uh, the, 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 thought, the different thoughts that are out there about missions, sacrifice and, and budgeting, and, but, uh, but then bringing it into the faith. And one of the phrases that has been used in missions conferences is God giving through you what God would not give to you. And uh, and by by faith, you know, since I don't have it to budget, I don't I'm, I don't have it, you know, to sacrifice, basically. Uh, but God, if you will give it to me, I will give it to the church in missions. And people that goes with that attitude and and, and that expectation that, that Brother Shock mentioned this morning, God, you know, and then week after week, it's just something that we have to pray about and and something God. You sent it to me last week, or if, if you give weekly, or if you give monthly, however God would give it to you, or just maybe just say, uh, you know, a, a pledge. We're not necessarily emphasizing a pledge this this these days. I'm I'm hoping to build upon the messages that we have heard and will hear in in these days in the future as far as our missions program goes. But uh, I've heard and experienced. <laughs> You know, God laying a certain amount on your on your heart to give to missions. We know that our monthly bid, missions budget is uh, eight hundred, a little over eight hundred dollars. What we give, something like that, I think it is. Uh, that has to come in for it to go out. And uh, if God gives you an amount that you want to give monthly or weekly, or just say monthly, and you don't know where it's going to come from. I mean, it could come from a decrease in your electric bill. It could come from finding a $20 bill in the, bit, in the ditch. I've seen that happen. <laughs> not having money to give, not having it, and actually finding it or having somebody actually give it to you. I experienced this. We had gone on to it. This was just not a, a monthly giving, but we, Lisa and I had come back from vacation. We had, you know, saved our money, went on vacation, come back, and happened to have... $100 left over, believe it or not. That was a miracle. But God knew. So she had it in her purse because it happens to disappear quicker in my, from my wallet than it does from hers. <laughs> Just something about that. <laughs> so she had it in the bank in her wallet, you know. So um, Brother um, Williams, uh, Brian, no, not Brian. Help me, Lisa. Bill, Brother Bill Williams. Come to Island Fort Baptist Church, missionary to second generation missionary to Mexico. And of the churches that they helped start and one thing or another down in Mexico, one of the things that they do is they do try to help establish a building in the building program. But what they, they just basically a foundation, block walls, a roof. That's it. From, from that point, then the church congregation, the people of the church, they have to raise money among themselves to finish, paint it the color they want to paint it, to finish it out the way they want to finish it out. But these missionaries help at least get it. And there was a, there was a church in Mexico that had taken um, pallets, old pallets, disassembled them, and built what they were meeting in out of old pallet lumber. So Brother uh, Williams mentioned that as he was with us at Island Ford. And Brother Hall said, knowing about the block buildings, and so I said, Brother Hall, or Brother Bill said, how much, just kind of, the Lord kind of touched him to ask, how much does it cost to get 
a church under, you know, block and roof building. Brother, Brother Bill says, oh, at the time, about $3,000. We can kind of put some block walls up and put a roof on it. And then Brother Hall just said, Dude, does anybody want to give maybe toward a building for that church that's meeting in the pallet lumber building? So one person, you know, raised their hand, 100, 200, what? And it kind of went around that way where I knew we had the $100 bill in the, in the bank. <laughs> so I leaned over to Lisa said, or she leaned over to me. She said, we still got that $100 left over. I said, $100. So I went around, went around, went around, and it kind of slowed down a little bit in the giving. And then the Lord spoke to my heart and said, pledge another $100. So I said, we'll take another one of those 100 I done gave the one that was in her purse. I didn't know where the next hundred was coming. And, it's, and she actually leaned over to me. She goes, I know where that first hundred is coming from, but I don't know where that second hundred is coming from. And I said, God said to give it. That was on a Sunday night, if I, if I recall right. And we gave that hundred on that Sunday night. All right, Lord, you told me to pledge it. I don't have it. I don't know where it's coming from. And there was a man, radio, a, 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 a fellow that listened to the radio. One time, I didn't know him from Adam's house, Cat. I was, was on Radio Marathon. The front door opened. I greeted him out in the foyer of the church. And he said, I'm looking for Brother Bell. And he said, and I said, I'm, that would be me. And he said, God said to give this to you. And he gave me a 20-ounce a, a claw hammer at the time, a 20-ounce uh, uh, plum hammer. Brand spanking new and a, and a VersaPak screwdriver. He said, God said to give it to you. I didn't know him. From, so from then on, he gave me his name, but from then on, I nicknamed him the Hammer Man because he gave me a hammer. And the only thing that I had at the house was a little 12-ounce hammer, you know, them, them, little, them little honeydew hammers. But I needed a 20-ounce hammer. Anyway, that's another story. But anyway, so after pledging that on Sunday night, we had Tuesday night services at the time, I think it was, instead of Wednesday night services. We were getting ready to sit down to eat and get ready for church, and we hear somebody pulled up in my driveway. It's a, it's a, and, and so I, I step out on the porch, and it's the hammer man. And he's, he's driving a white Chevrolet pickup truck. He's got his, his car door open. I'm on the right side. He's got his car door open, and he's, he's behind his car door, kind of like this right here, car door. And he's like, and he, he, he walks up to me. I'm standing on the porch, and there's three steps. And he's standing right there, and he goes, preacher. He said, I just passed by here, and he said, I don't know why, but God told me to turn around and give you this, and it was a $100 bill. <laughs> and I said, I know exactly what that's for. <laughs> I didn't tell him then. I told him the next time I seen him, he goes, ooh, I got God bumps up and down my spine. But, again, he, God, he was sensitive to God, not knowing where, and, and he didn't know that I had pledged $100 to a church down in Michigan, and he come by, gave, he was just faithful to give me the 100 and I was faithful to take the 100 not put it in my pocket. Take it back to the church, put it what I pledged it for. And, that's how, and I'm just saying that as it happened to me, you say, you're crazy, Brother Bell. Well, let me be crazy. But it happened to me. I don't know where it's coming from. And then, you know, pledge a certain amount and not knowing where it's coming from and just literally having to pray it in month after month after month after month. God, we have, we got we to gotta, we gotta give those missionaries at the church we gotta, we got to support them because they're on the field. They can't work. He can't go to Vietnam and get a job. A lot of these, lot of these missionaries can't go to the country that they're living in and, and obtain employment. So the support has to come from the churches. And if I don't pray it in, if I don't put it in, 
and we don't send it out, then they don't get it. And I've been there before, too. Get that monthly statement. Mm, I wonder what's happening there. It's down two or three hundred dollars. That affects life on the mission field. So that's what this is kind of the, he's, he's kind of building up. And this is kind of where it's coming to. And it could be that you budgeted, it could be that you sacrificed, but it could be that you step out on that little bit of faith and say, I don't have it, Lord. I'm going to try you. You've laid this amount on my heart. I don't have it. Or I currently give a certain amount, a certain amount, a certain amount per month toward our missions. But I'd like to give more. How much more, Lord, do you want me to give? And he lays an increase on your heart. Maybe the increase is more than what you think that you can budget for or what you think that you can sacrifice for. And you just say, okay, God, I'll give it when you give it to me. And just stand back and watch him give it to you by faith. And that's what faith promise is all about. So I appreciate this morning. I'm looking forward to the night, looking forward to the fellowship around the meal out here. And God's already told me how much to increase my giving. And even again, we don't. We've never taken. I, when I come, when I come to Sooner Rose, it was I was introduced to the eggs and the egg box. That's that's how our missions. I'm like, what? And he says, so Brother Tim was like, yeah, we, we have these eggs here. We got some chickens. We're bringing in some eggs to the church. And I just told people not to give any money to me. Just put it in the missions box. And these these chickens produce some serious eggs down there. I mean, because God blesses those chickens, and they more than what they can use. And they come in, and people put. And people put, people put money in the missions box. That's, that's the way it's come in. And so, anyway, so, so that's what I kind of, I'm not used to the, you know, this, this kind of thing and, and whatever, but it's been working. Um, but at the same time, I'd like to see us do more uh, here as, as, as a church. And so that's why we, I had, uh, feel the Lord would have us have this meeting here these days. All right, so we're going to be dismissing word of prayer. We're just going to just kind of let us uh, dwell on what was, and then look to be built upon what was mentioned this morning, preaching tonight, and then uh, and then we'll go from there. That's all. That's kind of the way I feel. We'll go here this morning. All right. Do continue praying. Well, I'll pray. We'll pray back over our food. Just give a few moments for folks to turn on the coffee pot if it ain't turned on already, and um, and uh, get things up on the table and, and out of the refrigerator and so on and so forth. And then we'll pray over our food back there. Uh, do appreciate these days and these men and their families and what they mean to me and. Uh, uh, so on and so forth, um, and uh, looking forward to what God's going to do th through us, amen, as a church. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, Lord, for the day, for this warmer weather. Uh, Lord, I uh, thank you for that. Pray, thank you for the good progress that uh, Freddie's uh, made this morning, uh, eating and things. Pray that you continue to touch and help in that situation. Again, we pray for that whole family, the Tarver and the, uh, the Thomas family, dear God, that you will work in hearts and lives. Lord, we thank you that they, they come. They come pretty faithfully. Uh, they've said under the word, and the Lord, we pray that you'll open their blinded eyes to the gospel and give them understanding. And, uh, Lord, I pray that they would uh, make a move toward you as you move toward them. And we ask and pray uh, that you would just uh, bless the fellowship. I thank you for the preaching we've heard today. I pray your blessings upon these men and their ministries. And, uh, Lord, thank you for letting us be a part of, uh, of what we do. But Lord, we pray and ask that you'll help us to do more. And we ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen, amen.